Welcome to today's episode of SDIs Are Not Your Friend. I am Georgiana Wiley, a women's health nurse practitioner with over 20 years experience in sexual health, here to put the fun back in sex ed. This material is great for all audiences because the best protection is knowledge. The moral of today's story is STIs rarely have symptoms and you probably weren't tested even if you think you were. 85% of all STIs have no symptoms, meaning you would know if you or your partner was infected unless you get tested. Knowing your STI status can make you a better and safer lover. If you're positive, there's now anonymous ways to tell previous partners they've been exposed, such as stdcheck.com, which will send a lovely anonymous text to whoever you want saying they've been exposed and should get tested, and it will not say your name at all. There's also discreet, affordable testing and online treatment, such as stdcheck.com. No, I do not own stock in the company. And also through my website, rebirth.health, which I do own stock in that company. 100% actually. Anyway, it takes about three weeks from the time you're exposed before you would test positive, so it's not useful to test any sooner, even if you are completely freaking out, losing your mind because you're worried about it. Knowing you are STI-free can reduce anxiety, which can really shut down orgasms for either partner, especially if there are any condom mishaps. It came off, or you didn't use one, or it broke, or whatever the case may be. You can test for bacterial STDs like gonorrhea, chlamydia, and trichomonas through urine, or by swabbing your throat, or swabbing your genitals. A pap smear can test for over 200 strains of human papillomavirus, also called HPV, which is transmitted not only by sex, but also by any skin-to-skin contact. A blood draw will test for HIV, hepatitis B, and or syphilis, and herpes is ideally only tested for by swabbing a lesion, which means applying a Q-tip type swab to a sore or little blister that's on your genitals or your mouth or wherever it may be. A blood test for herpes, also called HSV, is not actually useful, and we are going to deep dive down into that in a minute. If you thought you were tested, you probably weren't, unless you specifically asked for a full panel. And even then, probably you were only getting an extremely basic test. For example, HPV is never tested for in men, yet it's the leading cause of cervical cancer cancer in women. Four in five people have herpes, but most don't know. You are not being tested in the ER, urgent care center, or at your annual exams unless you specifically ask to be, and even then, it's typically only for gonorrhea and chlamydia. Many STDs have to be reported to the state by medical providers who did the testing, which is time-consuming and a huge reason many providers and the ER are not testing you. It would also mean they need to follow up on you for your treatment and retesting four weeks later, which just really isn't that possible in a lot of settings. No other STIs are being tested for unless there's also a blood draw, which is almost always only testing for HIV. As a hospital provider, I was actually told not to test for HIV unless someone specifically asked for it. And even when people asked, I was discouraged from testing them because insurance was thought to probably not cover it. However, if you give blood, sometimes they will test for HIV depending on where you live. So that's a great free way to get tested. 
STIs, also called STDs, depending on your age, are very easily transmitted. Most can be transmitted while giving or receiving oral sex. Many can live in the throat, which is a separate swab from your genitals when you get tested. Again, testing for orally transmitted STIs is separate from genital or urine testing. Testing your genitals does not tell if you have something in your throat, and if you have oral sex but not vaginal or anal, you can have and transmit STIs in your throat, but not necessarily below the belt. It can live in either, but treating will treat it no matter where it lives in your body. Testing urine is just as accurate nowadays as swabbing your penis or vagina, and it does not need to be first urine in the morning to be accurate. So here is the full panel that you could get tested for for STIs. A urine or swab in your urethra or vagina can test for chlamydia, gonorrhea, trichomonas, mycoplasma, and ureaplasma. These are all extremely common and very easily transmitted bacterial infections. I've seen virgins have each of these and women who have had gonorrhea for years and not known. STIs that are tested for through blood include syphilis, hep B, and HIV. Herpes, again, tested for by a swab on an actual blister or sore on your mouth or genitals. HPV, human papillomavirus, is a huge family of viruses that cause cervical cancer, abnormal pap smears, genital warts, and other warts on your skin. It's the leading cause of cervical cancer, targets younger women, is not tested for in men at all, and is screened for only at your pap smear, which we'll also get to. So let's go through each of the STIs because I know you are absolutely riveted by this content. Bacterial STIs live in the genitals or throat and are easily treated with common antibiotics, such as those taken for strep throat. Gonorrhea and chlamydia, when they do have symptoms, generally manifest as a penis or vaginal discomfort or discharge, but again, not always. Trichomonas, also uh, lovingly referred to as trick, is the most common curable STI, but only 30% of people with trick have any symptoms. When they do have symptoms, it typically includes gray discharge and or a fishy smell in women, but usually no symptoms at all in men. The fishy smell is often worse when your vagina comes into contact with soap or semen, although the same symptom comes with your pH being out of balance and something called bacterial vaginosis or BV, which is not an STI. Both trick and BV are easily treated with the same medication. Mycoplasma and ureaplasma are new STIs according to the CDC and often have no symptoms or come with a UTI or urinary tract infection type feeling such as burning or discomfort when peeing or just general vaginal discomfort. Often women are treated unsuccessfully repeatedly for their UTI or vaginal infections. Women are almost never treated for mycoplasma or, sorry, yeah, tested for mycoplasma or ureaplasma, which is actually an extremely common cause. All these bacterial infections are easily treated with common antibiotics. There's no natural treatment known that works to treat these. After treatment, it's important to be abstinent and avoid oral and penetrative, so vaginal or anal sex, for seven days. Different bodies clear the bacteria at different speeds. So if you and your partner are both treated at the same time but have sex sooner than seven days, there's a really good chance of reinfecting each other and not knowing. Blood tests. Syphilis is a difficult-to-treat STI that can lead to insanity and death. 
Syphilis is thought to have spread as a pandemic due to the crew of Christopher Columbus bringing it back and forth to the New World and back to Europe via the Spanish, Italian, and later French armies, although it existed in the Americas for thousands of years prior to Columbus. Syphilis was likely the first STI used to shame sexuality or immoral behavior by the church. Syphilis is having a massive comeback, especially here in the South. It starts with a sore that doesn't hurt, which is called a painless shanker. So most people don't even notice it. The sore can be inside your vagina, in your mouth, or on the underside of your penis, so it often isn't noticed and can just go away in about a week. It's easy to treat in the early stages, but it quickly moves to your bloodstream and can cause a rash over your body that doesn't hurt, doesn't itch, and can move to your brain or your eyes, which is called neurosyphilis. It's been a historical cause of insanity, afflicting Nietzsche, Oscar Wilde, Casanova, Vincent van Gogh, Ludwig van Beethoven, Robert Schumann, Ivan the Terrible, which was also interestingly thought to be the cause of his ruthlessness, Charles V of France, King Henry III, Henry VIII, and King George IV of England, Paul I of Russia, Maximilian I of Holy Roman Empire, Al Capone in the Times of Prohibition in the US, and he supposedly died of neurosyphilis. Once it moves to your bones and internal organs, it's extremely difficult to treat. I'm not telling you this to scare you, but more because it's kind of fascinating how long this disease has been around. We think of curing the COVID pandemic, yet we still have not been successful in eradicating a disease that's been around for thousands of years and is only spread through sexual contact. Most people are immunized for the hepatitis B virus in a series of three shots. The first is typically given within an hour of birth in the hospital, so hepatitis B is increasingly less common in America, but it's still common in developing countries as it's easily spread through blood, in utero from mother to the unborn baby, as well as through unprotected sex. It affects your liver and there isn't really any treatment. The antiviral medications only slow its progression of liver damage. Herpes. Four in five people have herpes or HSV. Most don't know and there is no cure for viruses. The gold standard for diagnosing herpes is a culture or a Q-tip like swab to the fluid from a lesion or blister. A blood test is very inaccurate since either strain one or two can live either orally or on your genitals. So a blood test doesn't tell if you have genital herpes or just an oral cold sore. They're the same thing, just two different locations and tons of misinformation about that. Genital herpes became publicized in the 1970s as a backlash to the sexual revolution of the 60s and really exploded in the media thanks to pharmaceutical fear-mongering ads ran in Playboy magazine, although the medication, Valtrex, only lessens the outbreak severity, but it doesn't prevent outbreaks very well for most people. Testing for herpes is actively discouraged by the CDC as the results unleash a huge can of social stigma worms. This is because there's so much misinformation around herpes, also commonly known as fever blisters. You can have either type 1 or 2 orally, meaning on or in your mouth, or on your genitals, or both. There's no cure. It's really just a recurrent, uncomfortable, harmless skin blister that has been severely stigmatized by our puritanical society. Chickenpox, shingles, and mononucleosis, or mono, are in the same family as herpes but they don't get the same stigma. 
Herpes always starts with a painful blister or cluster of painful blisters, which is often missed as the blisters can be on your cervix or even inside the vagina, although that's less common. The first outbreak will be wherever you contracted the virus into your body. It moves in and lives in your nerves where they attach to your spine and are reactivated differently in different people. I've seen people with the triggers of tequila, sunburns, only certain foods like chocolate, lack of sleep, or stress. It can be really different for each person. Again, different triggers for different people and your immune system can determine how often you have outbreaks. It's considered severe if you have more than four outbreaks a year. The outbreaks start from the time that something feels funny, but there's no blister yet until the blister pops and is completely healed over. During that time, you're contagious. Herpes can be contracted and then be dormant for years, so it can be difficult to know who you contracted it from. And really, does that matter? Valtrex is a prescription medication that can help suppress the outbreaks or just make them shorter than the typical 7 to 10 days that it lasts for. But also daily 1,000 milligrams of L-lysine, an amino acid, can help many as much as Valtrex for suppression. There's a huge social stigma to herpes. If you contract the flu, which is also a virus, no one makes fun of you. But take that flu, put it on your genitals, and then suddenly you're socially ostracized like a sexual leper. I'm not trying to make it so that it's just no big deal, but just for those who do have it, there can be a lot of anxiety, depression, and mental health issues from the stigma of having it. HIV, on the other hand, is a viral silent killer. There's no symptoms and it's very easily transmitted. Nowadays, there's medications to suppress it so effectively that you can prevent transmission. So it's important to be tested for your own and your partner's sakes. Pap smears. Women get pap smears to screen for cervical cancer, which has the highest rates in younger women and is mostly due to strains of the very large HPV family that causes cervical cancer. HPV strains also cause genital warts and normal skin warts. Men are never tested, yet they easily transmit the virus during unprotected sex, including oral. So yes, you can also have HPV in your throat. The Gardasil vaccine can be given to any woman under age 45 and prevents her from contracting the strains of HPV that cause cervical cancer or genital warts. A healthy immune system often clears the virus within two years. So do retest before having an invasive procedure done for HPV or an abnormal pap smear. You can get tested for some STIs with your pap smear, but that's only routinely done in women ages 21 to 24. Women under 21 should not be getting pap smears according to the national testing guidelines as the medical community found too many women were having cervical surgeries to treat a virus that's cleared by many women within two years who have an intact immune system. However, if your body does not clear the virus in two years, it is important to go for follow-up care because it is the leading cause of cervical cancer, which is the fourth leading cause of cancer in women. So today's take-home message is get tested, get tested to treat yourself, and get tested to protect your partners. Any questions, just drop me a line. Uh, social media is happyvaginas or rebirth.health. Take care and be safe.